0: Hey guys, welcome to the Maximum Service Podcast brought to you by Lester Platt and Still Studios. We're just a couple idiots trying to do the right thing for once in our life. Pay attention. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Rector. Welcome to the Maximum Service Podcast brought to you by Still Studios. I'm here with the infamous John O. Uh, John, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Okay. My name is John. Uh, yeah. Glad to be here. The second uh, second round of this. Kind of wanted to introduce something. We've got a, um, a, a boxing gym in town in Austin, based out of Austin, uh, run by Jeff Meadows. It's called Black Sheep Boxing. And he offers a scholarship to People who are new to recovery. So if you're in your first month of sobriety, first couple months of sobriety, and you're interested in doing some boxing or some Muay Thai uh, style martial arts, uh, give him uh, him a shout. Uh, Get on Google, look up Black Sheep Boxing and reach out to him. He's he's a really good guy and he really supports uh, people in recovery.
0: Yeah, we've known him for how long now? Five years? Six five years? years? Yeah, we watched the guy get five sober. Five
1: years, and I, I, I'm i rocking the sweatshirt right now. I actually trained with him uh, until I, got, um, I had neck surgery. And then, funny story, my doctor probably wouldn't uh, want to hear this, and I don't think I ever told him, was uh, apparently uh, you're supposed to wait a year after you have neck surgery. And uh, I decided after uh, four months that uh, I could go... Uh, Go do a little boxing. Yeah, so don't listen to John's advice. Yeah, and then uh, six, seven months later, something like that, um, you know, he opened the gym and I went in and, you know, I'm going to do some sparring and I walked right into a jab and my neck clicked back and I heard things crackle and snap, went to the ground, uh, finished the workout, uh, but... Hung up my gloves.
0: Moral of the story, don't listen to John. Listen yeah. to your doctor,
1: yeah, everyone. Listen
0: to your doctor. But yeah, check out Black Sheep Boxing. Jeff Meadows runs it up in North Austin. Fantastic cause, fantastic facility. It's beautiful up there. Went up there the other day and saw him. Amazing place. Oh, it's
1: amazing. It's, it's an amazing spot. So uh, please check it out. He's, he's really a positive influence, and uh, he'll get you in shape.
0: All right. So today we're going to talk about what to do. If you find out your loved one, family member, friend is a drug addict or alcoholic and what exactly we can do about it, what you can do about it and what you can't do about it, I suppose.
1: And this is going to be an interesting topic. Why do you we think that? Have, Well, we have different uh, things you can do when it comes to treatment. So you have a lot of, well, you've been on both sides.
0: Yeah, I've been in inpatient and detox.
1: Yeah, I'm not as versed in detox. Um, I did more of the inpatient side. So, of course, Mark's going to have a lot more expertise on the detox, which is probably like the initial thing people um, people uh, are kind of interested in.
0: Well, I th- I think people just don't know what to do most of the time. I mean, they're trying to use their best thinking a lot of the time. They're trying to use, I'm a parent. What would a parent do in this mm. situation? Or I'm a brother. What would a brother do in this situation? And most people, to be honest, have no idea what to do. They don't know what's best. They don't know how to present it. They're not necessarily tactful. And so our job, at least in my estimation, is, well, how do we prepare someone for that type of situation? And what exactly are their options?
1: Here's a question I have. Did you? How many detoxes did you actually attend?
0: Three. Three official. And then I try to detox myself. I okay. say at least a hundred times in the La Quinta <laughs> right by the astrodome in Houston yeah,
1: the La Quinta detox that's a that's a very famous nurse
0: one. Mark rector
1: uh, I went to one I don't think it's in existence anymore and then I also did 20 30 uh 30 uh self detoxes um, a lot of experience with that. Um, And I'll share my experience with the one detox that I had in in Waco, Texas. Um, And, uh, of course, I'll share that after you talk about why would somebody go to detox?
0: Well, there's a medical necessity. Okay. You got to go to detox because, I mean, when we were doing those solo detoxes, it wasn't safe. I mean, plain and simple. You don't have nursing staff. You don't oftentimes have the proper medication. You may think you know what you're doing, but it's very, very unsafe to do that on your own. Uh, The possibility of seizure is super high. The possibility of a stroke, of a heart attack, especially if you're older and you have extenuating circumstances, other medical conditions going on. You see a lot of people come in with diabetes. You see a lot of people come in with uh, abscesses. I mean, these are things that have to be... uh, overviewed by a doctor and by a nurse practitioner and then constantly monitored by a, uh, a nursing staff because seizure, I mean, that's the one big thing we're really worried about is seizures, uh, benzos and alcohol primarily. Are, are the they ones, the
1: most, what, what are the most dangerous, uh, chemicals or, um, I guess alcohol or, or drugs to come off of
0: alcohol and benzodiazepine. So Xanax, Valium, Clonopin, things like that. Those will actually kill you. The opiate detoxes are,
1: Mainly just really uncomfortable.
0: I mean, so you've been is, through those.
1: I've been through those. And so here's the difference. And I always tell people um, alcohol and benzos, you can die. Opiate withdrawal, you want to die. Yeah, that's a good one. But you won't it. die. Uh.
0: And those are generally treated with uh, medications. Medications okay. like Suboxone is for the opiates or mm-hmm. Subutex. And then for uh, alcohol and benzos, they're going to get treated with um, Valium, Atavan. Things like that, and the
1: suboxin and the subutex. That's a short term, right? That's that's yeah. like a couple of days, maybe four four days, and then and then you come off of it. Yeah,
0: in my experience, and in my opinion, uh, suboxin and subutex should only be utilized for detox purposes. Yeah. It's never intended for a long term treatment. Although a lot of people, you know, they try and explore that and. In, in my experience, it doesn't work out as a long-term solution.
1: And we can talk about that in a later. That can be in itself a whole different podcast subject. Uh, I think we both have experience with using Cebutex, uh, Suboxone in a long-term, uh, attempting uh, even methadone. I have experience with methadone uh, for a long-term uh, as a use of maybe not uh utilizing therapy or or 12 step fellowship or anything like that uh it can be abused um there's a lot of ways to abuse it um so we can talk about that a little bit later um that's a great subject yeah that's for a whole that's, other episode that's, that's a whole maybe other episode. so okay somebody has a problem let's just say
0: you're starting well, to see some of this, the the characteristics of drug addiction and alcohol. well let's
1: do let's do this let's walk somebody through and we're going to walk through um somebody who's got a high, uh, they're drinking a lot. Like I'm talking half liter, liter of vodka, which by the way, when people start drinking vodka at that level, they're heading toward the end. Cause usually vodka is the end. Um, that's what I've always, if I could look at everybody that comes in, I'm like, well, what were you drinking at the end? It's vodka. It's vodka. So they come in, right? Why is it vodka? It's easy. It's easy to hide. It's easy to hide. It mixes with everything. Um, Mixes with everything. Um, And it can be real cheap. Yeah, it can be. It can be real cheap. Some McCormicks. Oh, McCormicks. Plastic bottle McCormicks, uh, baby. Without advertising that, that is, uh, yes. Sponsored by McCormick. Sponsored by plastic bottle vodka. So if you're drinking vodka out of a plastic bottle, you're probably heading to detox. Um, Okay, so. let's, Let's get back. So somebody has a problem, they're drinking. Let's say they want, they, they're called, right? They've called admissions. They They, want some help. They want some help. Okay. They show up. What is the process through these? What are they going to go through?
0: They're going to go through a lot of anxiety. Alcoholism uh, in particular is going to have high, high levels of anxiety. Okay. But they're going to start to feel better. You know, with that medication, um, they'll start feeling back to normal in about five to six days is generally what you're going to see. It's going to be uncomfortable, but alcohol detox really isn't too terrible um, as far as medical complications go outside of that seizure thing. It's not, medication controls it really, really well. What you're going to see on a mental level though is the scarier part because you're going to start to hear, oh, I've got my situation figured out. Oh, I, I know what I need to do. I just need to do this, 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 and this. Um, or you're going to start to hear things like, I feel better. I don't need to complete my detox. And you're going to start to hear them talking about wanting to leave early, which is incredibly unsafe. No one should ever, I mean, uh, from inpatient treatment to detox, to a PHP program, to an IOP program, if I could say anything to families, never let them leave early. That is always a bad idea.
1: What do you think? Because this is my this is what my experience and what what, uh, what I feel is that when a client or somebody wants to AMA from detox, which is like, let's say it's a day they want to get no, out. No, AMA? Oh, AMA. Sorry, that's when you leave against medical advice. Right. Okay. So medically, you haven't been discharged yet, and so you're leaving against that advice. Um, you're signing yourself out. So there's a couple things that I find. Well, really, it's just one uh, or two. Let's say this. I just want to go drink again. I'm done with this. Maybe maybe I had a moment of clarity and, and now I'm like, well, wait, you know, or I feel better. Now I'm going to go back and do what I, what, what I want to do. Uh, the second one is I don't want to go to treatment. And I think that's what's going to happen next. So I'm just going to get out of here now. Yeah. You do hear that pretty often. I have to get back to work. That's a really popular
0: one. Oh, I got to get back to my kids that usually it's hidden behind a really great thing, something that benefits your life and is going to make sense to other people so that other people will agree with you. Oh yeah, he does have to get back to work. Oh yeah, he really loves his kids. And it's generally a lie that they're telling themselves, but they actually believe it in reality. Usually they just want to go drink again or they go, you know what I can, I've learned enough about my situation. I can handle this on my own. I don't need to go to treatment, something like that.
1: Okay. So I like to put it, you know, I like my example. So I was thinking when you're, when you're saying that, let's say I'm set up for five days, right? We're we're looking at, it's going to be a five day thing. I want to leave it for, and the logic, this is where the, where it becomes illogical. Because in any other thing in which I've signed up for a service, um, let me say, I'm going to go get my oil changed. And then they take the, they they drain it, they put the plug back in, they start filling it up. And I go, whoa, all right, I'm out of here. I'm I'm, I'm not finishing this out. I'm not finishing this out. I'm like, yeah, but we still got to. Put the oil cap back no no it's it's good man I'm out I'm good no oh, I know, I know how to'll we'll, we'll, we'll do this we'll
0: I know how, this. how to fix that
1: and then I get in my car I drive off the oil cap goes off engine you know sputting oil and then I'm gonna blame the place that changed my oil like that's, that's right. generally what happens that's um, you no, you see that pretty frequently yeah. and and here's what happens
0: is uh, most of the time I see these people again mm. in the detox I mean Usually one, I would say, no, two out of five people that are in the detox have already been there at least one time. And every single person comes back and they go, I wish I would have listened to you. I wish I would have not left earlier. That was a bad idea. And then three or four days go by and guess what they're doing again? The same thing driving off without their, their oil being finished.
1: Mm. So that's that. going back to that. That's that situation in which we have that physical component. We talked about it last, in the time. last time. We have the physical component and then you got the mental component. And I think that's the common misconception is that if I get this out of my system, if I detox the stuff out of my system, then I'm going to be okay. And what they don't understand is when that stuff's out of your system, you still have to deal with the mental component that hasn't been addressed. And you don't have a healthy way of addressing that or dealing with that because you've had a problem for, let's say, two, five, ten years. And you go for three days and you think you're going to resolve this. And that's where that illogical thinking, what they call like insanity, which is just really your inability, right, to make a sound decision. Um, that's, that's where I see the problem. And I remember as people, You know, working over at the treatment facility and talking with you about detox, we would, I would kind of hear what was going on. And usually it was this person wants to leave early. Uh, This person just hopped the fence. Um, You know, uh, this family is picking it up, picking this person up. You know, the family is now turned and is on their side. Um, And so what you said. What what are some certain things, or what are the certain things you need to look for in a detox facility? Like, what, what are the key things you need to look for in a detox facility? Because I'm going to tell you one. Uh, how about you check in and make sure that if you have an opiate addiction, they actually have medications that deal with opiates. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> and this is... I love telling stories because this is, it's for this, one of the saddest moments of my life. And also, as I look back, one of the most humorous moments of my life, which is uh, my my wife, now my now wife, drove me to Waco to go to detox in Waco.
0: That's three hours away, right? Uh,
1: no, wait, no.
0: Hour and a half? <laughs> yeah, i hour, hour and a half. Jeez. Don't let me drive the car.
1: Yeah, I went to Detox in El Paso. Um, It was two hours away. Um, No, went to Waco. Not a great part of town. And I grabbed my bag and I just looked at this place and I was like, oh, man, this is not going to go well. And I walked in and, oh, the nurse was super nice. And she just goes, oh, honey, we're not really set up for you opiate guys. And I was like, "Heart." floor. <laughs> burm, burm, burm. Um, and I, I made it, it was difficult, but I, I did make it. Oh, you pushed through it. Oh, I pushed through that I was in Waco. Where, where was yeah, I? Gonna I guess go? she's going to leave
0: you there. She probably yeah. just said, get out of the car.
1: I was in Waco and I survived on uh, I was so sick. I survived on powdered donuts and big red. Cause that they did, good. they did have a, uh, breakfast little of concession thing in there. So yeah, powdered donuts and big red. Um, And I swear to God, you know, I I swore I'm never going to come do this again. Never going to. And I did, you know, so uh, uh, relapse was eight weeks away. Um, But at that point, in that awful situation, I was never going to do it again. So that's a bad place to go.
0: Right. You want to, you're going to want to make sure that they can meet your medical needs. And they're a good detox is going to tell you if they can or not. They're going to properly inform you of everything. And they're going to tell you what are the. They're going to tell you what the protocols are and you you have, you're within your right to ask those questions and do your research on, on what uh, exactly you're looking for.
1: So here's my other question. Are there cases in which you're too far gone medically for that detox to handle you? And then what should they do?
0: Absolutely. There are situations where certain people's uh, medical needs aren't able to be met. There's in fact, exclusionary criteria for for okay. detoxes from the state where they can't take you uh, if you have certain heart issues and they can't take you if your abscesses are to a certain extent. And so sometimes they can't even take you because, um, your liver is too shot. They can't take you. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but in that type of situation, uh, they're generally going to report that to you and they're going to refer you out to a hospital. So Hospitals have to take you if you're in a life-threatening situation to stabilize you. And a lot of the times hospitals expensively will detox you and treat what other medical needs that you have. So okay. you, you can check into a hospital.
1: Okay. So the person's gone through detox, right? They have an AMA. Thank God. Thank God. They have an AMA. They're going to make it all the way through. One of one, you know, One type of client or one type of person is going to leave. Go back. Maybe they have the fellowship they've already engaged in. Maybe, um, maybe they're just not ready to commit. You know, maybe they're on the fence. But then there's that. There's the two types of clients. Let's say three. I I keep. I'm interested to hear what they are. So here's the three. This is what I want. Okay, here's the three. One, they want to do it. Two, their family wants them to do it. And three, the court wants them to do it.
0: Yeah, you've got all three of those.
1: Those are the three bangers that you got. Now, with all my experience in in working in inpatient treatment, um, guess which one, uh, which ones do I like?
0: Oh, the ones that want it.
1: Oh, the ones that you like? I don't know if you want a challenge or not. Oh no! I'm not. I don't ever want a challenge. Challenge. I love how this is also the other thing where people are like, oh, you like a challenge? No, I don't. I actually don't like a challenge. Challenges are. Um, Oh, yeah. I I love when they're like, you like this. You really love doing this to me. I'm like, no, I would rather not not be confronting you on this issue. Yeah. You know what I'd really love? I'd love you to just follow the rules and kind of do your thing and not be a jerk to your family. And I'd really love it if I didn't get a phone call at 730 because you're having a, a conniption fit about a phone call that hung up on you one minute before your time was supposed to be over. That's really what I want. Um, I don't want to challenge. Although sometimes I will say it's it's a little bit fun. It can be. It can be fun. Um, but that's because we like to help. We do like. It, to it help. allows us so to flex that when muscle. When we say challenge, what we really mean is extra help. That's what we're saying. We you know. So I like. I like the person that wants it, and I also like the person that's there for legal. Because the person that's there for legal, they're going to stay the whole time usually. And And that gives the opportunity of the treatment facility to work with them.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of flex for change in that.
1: And I found that particularly there's people recently, you know, of course I left the industry about almost a month ago, but there's some people that they came with legal issues and I saw them transform into actually wanting to do this. And that's amazing to me. And so I like that. Um, it's an extra boundary. It's an extra hurdle that they have to take. What I don't, not that I don't want to work with them, but it's harder. And I know that there's more of a chance that it's not going to be successful is when the person doesn't want to go, but the family's demanding that they
0: go. Mm -hmm. Uh, those people need to have their own experience, which is, I mean, one of the the roadblocks in detox is trying to explain that to the family who's desperately trying to smother their kid and love them to death out of ignorance and out of, I don't know, just love. I mean, they just really want to love their kids to death, which is really sad. A lot of the times they, they want them to get help so bad that they can't logic and go this person, they're not going to put in the effort that's necessary to complete this task.
1: That seems to be a a theme that we keep going into. Like this person has to put in the effort, the attempts of the family and people around them to do the things that are necessary for that person to grow, but they're doing them. And what it's kind of what I said before is a lot of successful people, it wasn't handed to them. Therefore, they got to understand what they were capable of doing. And then you have a whole generation of kids or people that grew up in which the their the previous generation my father so I was born in 77 so my dad was born in the late 40s and from that generation along with my, my mother that generation when you graduated high school you left home mm-hmm. you went to college of course college was affordable I think it was like 5 bucks a year You know, 5 bucks a year Fifty cents a month for, for rent. The price. Oh yeah, it was great. Uh, gas was a nickel. I'm just messing. But you up. had to yeah, figure yeah, it yeah. out. Well, you had to figure out. You could actually do it, but you had to figure it out. And, and you your parents gave you room to fail. Well, you didn't come back home. Yeah, and
0: you weren't allowed to come back. Home. You
1: were No, it's like, hey, guess what? You're 18. Here you go. So you you had to build something. And,
0: and you don't really see that Mm-mm. a bunch anymore. It's some well, it's some sort of cultural shift. People got successful
1: and then they wanted their kids to not have the same experience thinking it will help them. Oh, I want what I didn't have. Then you end up doing things, and then the what, what you're subconsciously, like I said before, what you're teaching the kid or whoever is that I don't think you can do this. That's why I'm stepping in. And then the person relies on that person to step in. Um, that type of situation is not really good for inpatient because unless the family members have extreme boundaries but that's a 50 50 that's a a coin flip um and and so as we're talking like to me the 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 ones that have the opportunity to be more successful are the ones that want it and the ones that have legal issues because right, they want it and need it well they want it need it uh, they're willing to do it to stay out of other situations, but if, if you got somebody where the family, and we talked about it last time, if you got somebody where the family's just pushing it, Hey, push, push likely you're probably going to buckle anyway. Um, cause you're trying to do something for them that they don't want to do, uh, 2 they're going to AMA and, and do whatever, um, you know, or they're just going to kind of do time and then get out.
0: Well, I will say sometimes you do have to, as a family, you do have to create this space, for someone to become willing mm. and you just have to be delicate about it. You have to put in certain boundaries, which are reasonable. You know, you mentioned not coming home, you know, Hey, if you're going to leave detox AMA, you're currently living in my house. Well, I don't want you around cause you're drinking all the time and you don't have a solution for that. So you can't come to my house. I'm paying for your cell phone bill. Well, you use that cell phone to call people and uh, get drugs. So I'm not paying for that. And when I, I, when I suggest that, usually what happens is people go, well, how are they going to get in contact with me if I need help or if they need help? And my response is there are, there are other phones that exist in this world. And if this person wants help, they know exactly how to get a hold of you.
1: So See, all the funny stuff comes in my head because it's like the family's like, how are they going to contact me? I'm like... Yeah you know with or without a cell phone if if they need to contact their drug dealer uh, they're going to have no, guess what they're probably going to make contact quicker than if they had a phone
0: well also how i mean how weak is this person how, how poorly have you raised them that they do not know how to contact you i think that's really um it, that's people just they're in fear. They want to be able to talk to their their family member if they're struggling. And so they say something that's illogical and doesn't make a lot of sense. And you see that all the time. Um,
1: well, I will say that. All right. I'm going to counter. I'll counter slightly. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to counter. Well, I'm going to counter. I don't think it's a bad thing or that they want to know where their loved one is. I think that, you know. That's something, I, when you know, when we're doing all this, I always have to tell the person, you have to find what is acceptable to you, like where your willingness is, like to cut off stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be comfortable with it. You can't really be forced into it, although you can be encouraged and like, that's the way. You might have to like build up to that. Yeah. So I do get it where the fear that they're gonna lose contact and they won't know where the person is and that can be overwhelming, and therefore that's why they're doing it, but that's what they have to live with, right? I mean, yeah. because you're right. do we have the ability to make contact yeah, I mean, do we have the what? you know can we get a hold of things people yeah they'll- they can contact the family they're probably going to do it anyway because they're going to run out of money, right I mean, they're going to find a way well, somebody's got to pay for cigarettes right, and uh Well, I mean, there's, and there's other
0: things that can be done too. And they're really, they're really difficult. I mean, um, and I, I rarely suggest this. It's, it's not really, uh, something that I like to bring up, but you have to start to consider like, all right, how safe is this person around my kids? Mm, Yeah. You know, and that's a really difficult conversation to have. And it's an even more difficult thing to actually have to execute. But in some situations it's absolutely necessary because people are, I mean, if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic and you're untreated and you haven't figured out a way to solve this you are a liability anywhere you go. And I mean liability in the sense that you can cause some serious harm to yourself and to other people and, and should be treated as such. Not like, um, um, like you you, you can't treat someone like they're weak. You can't treat someone like they're fragile. You have to be able to set some tough and hard boundaries. Um, but I do want to, 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 that's another totally different topic. That is,
1: I did. I need to jump on it, though. Yeah, good. Like, you're giving me... I'm giving you good content. You're giving me, like, 95-mile-an-hour fastballs in the middle. I'm going to whiff at a couple of them. Well, there's a couple. I'm going to be, like, I'm going to be two strikes, and then I'm going to... We'll move on. Okay, I know. This is what... I also... You said it perfectly. Like, this is hard. When we say this, I'm not saying it's easy. Because... I've had my experiences where I'm like, you know, I've given this advice, I've done a little bit, but when it comes down to you doing it, it's a thing. You have to really be strong, have some faith in what's going on, really trust in what people are experts are telling you and you have to take the dive, Mm -hmm. but it is going to be the most difficult thing in that moment for you to do.
0: It's a life altering decision. But you, you have to kind of keep in mind, I think, that this thing may save this person's life. It's yeah. going to be uncomfortable. My mom actually said it best. She said, I had to go through some, some short-term pain to experience long-term happiness with you. And I didn't realize that until I just started doing it oh, without yeah. fear of what was going to happen to you. I just had to take action because what I was doing was not working. And so I said, you know what? I'll try, I'm willing to risk it because the other alternative is not working out, which is exactly what we do, you know, in our recovery stuff too, is we explore all the options. They don't work. And then we go, all right, I'll do some logical stuff.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah. I my mom's a, great. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. Uh, I had a recent experience with somebody too, who's having struggles with boundaries and I think he knew that. He was struggling with the boundaries and that's what was getting to him was that he knew what he should do um, and he knew it in his own experience. But having to do that and practice that with somebody he loved was difficult. Um, And, you know, one way of doing it, it's not like we're saying don't have a conversation with your loved one about it and you just go, ah, you're cut you're off. You're going to, you sit down, have a conversation. I'm saying if they let you have the conversation, yeah. sit down and say, this is, this is the boundary. This is what's going to happen that way. They know there's nothing they can You didn't tell me that, that this is coming up. No, we had a conversation. My side of the street clean. I told you what was going to happen. This is not going to be shocking you have the opportunity now to make a decision based on what you know are the consequences of your actions. It does take now the responsibility off of the family member and now on to the addict alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Cause you can't say that you didn't know. You can't say it's unfair. You can't say any kind of justi- You can't have any kind of justification. That's a helpful way And I know we kind of like keep doing this and that, but I think what our real goal is to try to teach the family members and things like this is how you do it. And we might say it 18 different ways, a hundred different ways, but it's what, it's what you need. And it's like our biggest thing. I keep going back to that. I mean, I'll sit down with an alcoholic addict, but if I can't, if the people around them are not going to be helpful, it's a shot in the dark. I mean, it's like I. It's well, just I'm gonna, it's a I'm shot make, in the dark. I'm going
0: to make you say it. Is who usually who usually creates the biggest issue when someone's leaving treatment? What did you used to say? You can't fight the family and the disease at the same time. Oh, did I say that? Yeah, you said it once. It really oh, struck okay, me. I guess right. it. It was just you saying it. I passing. probably got that from somebody. Um, well, we all get that, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah, you can't.
0: Well, families end up being their own worst enemy. Worst enemy. Oh yeah. my
1: goodness. Yeah, you can't. Like you're trying to fight this, and when I say fight the disease, help the person out, and then you got the family member that is just. Enabling, enabling, making it difficult, causing more drama. Well,
0: and I do want to say that Mm -hmm. when we say these things like this comes after years of working with people and seeing tragic case after a tragic case, after a tragic case and us going, we know this isn't going to work. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. When you're talking to a family member and you're literally going, you're sowing the seeds of your son's death. Yeah. It's, it, it, and you can't do anything about it.
1: It's difficult,
0: but I do want to get to this other thing that we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier about. So let's some, get to it. if someone, if someone is leaving detox, they do have some options. They do. So they, you mentioned inpatient treatment, and then I listed off a couple other things. So let's, I think maybe it'd be a good idea to break some of those, you know, options, whether it's inpatient treatment, uh, PHP, mm. uh, IOP. Like, let's talk about what those as options and usually, what's the best fit? Okay, but let's people.
1: dive into one. Okay, go. Because if we, you're excited. we're gonna leave. Well, because we'll be here for hours, and
0: we'll be quick about it.
1: Let's. Well, you can't be quick about inpatient because that's my.
0: It's your wheelhouse. That's my wheelhouse. Well, then I'll I'll direct traffic a little bit.
1: I'll, I'll say okay, shut up, well, stop. Okay. Well, what we're gonna do is we'll talk about PHP and IOP later, and. I'm going to take over just go. This okay. Just go. Here we go. So inpatient, inpatient, uh, residential treatment, inpatient treatment. That's, uh, probably the go-to, um, well that between that and IOP. Um, so we have different choices. You have 30 day programs. Um, 60-day programs, which kind of don't really, 60 nobody ever says, hey, it's a 60-day program. Usually it runs on a 30-day, a 45-day model, and a 90-day model. Um, I have firm beliefs around 90-day, uh, probably because that's how I got sober.
0: Well, statistically, the longer you're in treatment, the better
1: you do, generally. They do, but I'm going to be really honest about stats, and I'm going to give a shout out to the families. If any treatment facility gives you some blown out staff about their ability to be their percentage of getting run for the hills, listen, if it's anything, I mean, an honest place should definitely be 40% below if they're honest. And what I'm talking about is like they get people, you know, people stay sober and it's successful. If anybody, I heard somebody say 80%, I just like, oh, that's a flat lie. That's
0: if it was, 80, you know how they do those studies, right? They, they just call up their alumni and they go, how are you doing? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, if and anybody go, is saying that they got 80% success rate, then they need to copyright that model they have and, or give it free to everybody. And then we wouldn't have a problem. Um, that's completely insane to think that a treatment facility could claim that Um, just the nature of the disease. It's going to be, um, it's uh, the percentages. You can't really look at the percentages. I I don't, I don't think that percentages really,
0: um, we generally see longer term treatment work because you have more time away to develop healthier habits to work through more trauma.
1: Well, yeah. Well, and get the, those tools remember, in place. Remember, here's the thing: you spend the first two weeks. I'm just gonna fill it. Yeah, go ahead. Because we'll talk the, about 30 days. Yeah, you, stuff spend, you spend the. Let's say we're doing 90. Why is 90 important? Because you f- spend the first two weeks, or maybe a month, completely bsing. Oh,
0: well, and you're foggy. You're, you're foggy, still foggy from detox.
1: You're bsing. It's the first two weeks. You're complaining about the fact that you're there, even though you wanted, you said you wanted to be there. I mean, I'm just gonna give you the full. Like this is taking the, the. Uh, taking you to the fourth wall, like I, I'm looking at you going like, this is really what's going on here. First two weeks, you're foggy. You're not really there. You're not doing the work. Uh, you're still uncomfortable. Um, you're still blaming everybody else on why you're there. And your woe is me. Then you start doing the work. You know, you start getting into the work. So that's week three, week three. Yeah. And maybe for the next, you bought in a little bit, you bought in, maybe I mean, I'm going to say for the next six weeks, you're in. Well, if you're in that long, you know, if if you're you're only in
0: a 30 day place that last week, you're planning your discharge
1: Oh man, you're out. If you're doing a 30 day, guess what's happening? You just wasted the first week and a half. You haven't really been able to do anything. There's no way to work with a therapist in in a 30 day model that has any kind of uh, weight to it. I mean, what do you have meeting with somebody four times?
0: Um, That's tops. Yeah. Unless you're
1: you're going to, you know, a fancy facility and maybe there's. 10 clients and 12 therapists, and then you're going to see multiple therapists a day. That's going to cost you some bank. Um, Not everybody has set aside 401ks for their family members treatment. More than likely you've got insurance more than, or you're just paying cash or your scholarship. Well, so with that, I Mm -hmm. do want to say that
0: the 30 day model is super effective for people who have done a lot of therapy or a lot of 12 step work. It can be very effective in that sense because they're usually hitting the ground running they're going i already have a sense of myself i know what's gone gone on with me i just need to take some action and get this stuff back in place the other people it works for are the broken i mean the broken of the broken they got nothing left it's either suicide or this and they're willing to try this one more time that is generally i mean that was my experience at least
1: Yeah, that's right. And that's
0: what I've seen work when people are in treatment for 30 days. Some of my friends, clients that we've had in the past, it's the people who they got nothing else to live for, but sobriety. Uh, The
1: only way I can gauge that is if they're willing to stay longer. Yeah, that's usually a good question. That's my gauge. If somebody, if you're coming in and somebody's not willing to stay longer, that's my gauge on on where they're at. Um, Oh, and you
0: can do that, by the way. If you're in a 30 day place, you can totally go to your counselor or a family member can call up and go. Hey, can we get them to stay longer? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're even willing to help you out with that, cut you some sort of deal. Mm -hmm. They might even scholarship you if you're lucky.
1: And you know what I just realized? As I say that, there's going to be a bunch of people that did 30 days that were successful, going like, "Yeah, and that's cool." You can say that. I'm still going to stick with 90 days. Is Mm -hmm. is what I find is the best because here we go. Two weeks, six weeks. I've done some work. Well, guess what? It's the magic. You hit these plateaus, and it's six, we- uh, it's six weeks after you work, so you're there for 60 days. Now, it's not always up, up, up. Now, some of that stuff's coming back again. You mean now, like the depression and the uh, anger? The depression, and- the old behaviors, because it's not fresh. It's not new. Well, and ends, you've moved away from drugs and alcohol. So stop scaring No, it's you. like you, and, and here's the thing is maybe the fireworks aren't there anymore. Then I, this is more of a spiritual thing and you're really going to have to keep me in check on this one. Cause this is, where, this is ahead. my wheel. Don't get too lofty. I, I will get super lofty. I'm about to go. Out. Don't scare away everyone. I'm about to go to Mars. Just go. I'm just joking. Okay. Just go. All right. Just go there.
0: No, go oh, just okay. start talking.
1: Right. Um, so here's the thing. You need fireworks at the beginning. I think the universe provides fireworks in your search for things, search for authenticity, search for something outside of yourself, which I believe in when we come to this. You need fireworks because you need something that motivates you. You need something that demonstrates that there's something out there. But as you mature in it, and it can mature pretty quickly, those fireworks go away. So that like six-week mark? Let's say the six-week mark. Say the 60-day mark. Those fireworks aren't there anymore. You're not having the aha moments. You're not having the epiphanies. You're not going like, oh, this serendipity happened. This, Oh, I feel it. No. (laughs) Now you're being asked to do real things. Now you're being asked to... Well, I need you to do this. I need you to look at this. I need you to look at where you're living. I need you to look at the fact that your people don't want you to come home. I need you to look at the fact that you might lose your car. I need you to look at the fact that you owe an S ton of money to the IRS and how are you going to deal with that? I need you to look at the fact that your wife wants to divorce you now.
0: The real stuff. This is...
1: So the fireworks are gone this everything's working out for me you know I can see all this stuff and then reality hits and now you have to work through this stuff without these magic fireworks going on everywhere
0: and you can't turn back to drugs and alcohol to feel a little mm-hmm. bit better about and the situation and so what
1: would happen if at 30 days or 45 days you left before the real stuff happens. It's like a car running out of gasoline. Yeah. Like you, you have to get, you need to go through, you need to be able to do that or you need to get that 60 day mark because the reverb thing happens like your bad habits were, or your not bad habits, but
0: you start to get comfortable and you start to get complacent and you know, your behaviors that aren't so you just healthy. Start,
1: you go back to where you were and you yeah, need to be happens. reminded again. You need to be reminded again. You learn some stuff. You make some improvements. It's like sports, right? Oh, I got to work on this. So I go to a swing coach and I start doing really well. And then after I think I have it for a little bit, the old stuff starts creeping back in. And mm-hmm. what does the coach have to come? All right. You're doing this again. So you think you have it. You're not paying attention. And slowly your old habits coming in.
0: Well, that's why like Jeff exists, mm-hmm. right? Our friend, the boxing trainer yeah. is. That's how he keeps you safe is he goes, Hey, put your hands up.
1: Oh yeah. He has no problem telling you.
0: Yeah. Cause he didn't want to get you, get, Mm-mm. get you punched in the face. No. And, and I mean, so what do you start to see at that? After that, if you stick it through if and if you, stick you it pull through, through that, that dark day,
1: what did, what comes next? Well, I think after you stick, if you stick it through, right. Then, then I think you, the real work can happen. Not saying that any of the other work wasn't real, but you can go to that deeper level. There's an awareness around things um, I think that's when the real experience starts happening. Um, you get to actually address some stuff that maybe you weren't willing to address. Um, and even then, I mean, ninety days is—it's a flash in the pan. It's
0: really not that long. No,
1: all. and that's like when people like it's so long. I'm like, you've been doing this for ten years. Ninety days is like a sand on the beach, wow, like it's, it's just, a pebble. Like
0: it's, it's wild to me how people go. I'm going to fix this 10 year long problem that's developed
1: after years of trauma and, you know, and, and pain in 30 days. I wish Attack, we had well, I've I, handled it. I wish we could do a whole podcast on every excuse we've ever, every or, ridiculous, every thing. ridiculous. Well, it's,
0: <laughs> we, we can maybe do that, but let's, um, so we generally see, I if, like
1: 90, let's just say that I like 90, Sixty's cool. I'm never going to shame you on anything, but if I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to say, I think that 90 is the best. Well, and let's look at it this way too. It's like me and John are still doing work 10 years,
0: 15 years into the game. Ugh. You know what I mean? It's like me and John understand, Hey, like this is a lifelong process and you don't really check out per se. The treatment is really just a, Uh, training camp and if you don't don't prepare for war you're not going to make it and so how long do you want to spend in training camp?
1: Yeah my biggest thing and it's from my generation because Mike Tyson was my generation's greatest fighter because he just annihilated people like it was even the thought of getting in a ring with him is like you're just going to cry and you just you know he just made he made extremely he he turned killers and just annihilated him. And that's what you're dealing with. You know, I, you know, we kind of had a, maybe this is a little more lighthearted, but when we go down to the depths of what it is, the reason why I think 90 days is, yeah, you're training for this thing out there that is deadly. That is the only disease that, convinces you that you're not sick and just wants to take everything from you and you're treating it as if you can just walk in the ring with Mike Tyson and you think you have a shot and that is crazy well, and When I say crazy I know we're not allowed to say that anymore but I'm not. it's it just crazy that. it's well, well you know, I mean look
0: at it this way it's like it's, if if you came to me John and you went my, Mark, you have to, uh, you have to fight Mike Tyson tomorrow. There's no, like your mom dies. If you don't fight Mike Tyson, I would, I would go, okay, I need help. Please. Can I put, you know,
1: can I wrap barbed wire around my gloves? Like, what do I need? No, to do? If you, if, I kick I'm going to be, be honest. If you said that, if, if that was, I'd be like, I'd be saying my goodbyes to my mother. Cause <laughs> I really knew like, there's just no way I wish, but there's no way. It would be the same thing if you're like, Hey, you have to beat this. Uh, you have twenty four hours to figure out how to beat this addiction that's that's been you know uh, bankrupting you emotionally and physically and put you in the dirt. you have twenty four hours to figure well, this out I would
0: uh, all I'm trying to say is my attitude would immediately shift mm-hmm. into like I got to do something about this. Like right. For, See, right I love now.
1: how you're with the complete opposite. I'm like, I just, you know what? Sayonara. Sayonara. I'm just going to spend the next 24 hours with my mother. So you have, I know you've got that thing, but that is what we're talking about. Well, if, let's, if, let's go into the IOP and PHP thing,
0: you know, because those are, I know that's not your wheelhouse per se, but we got to talk about them because I don't know about you, but in my experience in the detox setting, IOP is generally the excuse you use to get people off your back. They go, Oh, I'm not going to go to treatment. I'll go to IOP because Uh, I have work and I have kids. Gotcha. And, and it it seems to make sense, but it's not genuine, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, I really want to do work. It's going, I want to do some work, but I got to make sure that everything else stays afloat. And that makes good and logical sense. Yeah. But, Oftentimes what happens with that IOP selection is they're, they're going, well, I have to make a decision based around work. That's my prime focus. And then they lose themselves in work or they lose themselves in a relationship or they lose themselves. So in
1: a- just to, I'm going to jump in real quick. It's not really the IOP. It's the person. Correct. Right? That's where the IOP has, um, and what IOP is, is intensive outpatient. And so what you do. Oh yeah, we should probably Yeah, should, So rather than, so some people, and, and so that's, I kind of want to put out there because there's a lot of people that work in IOP that are very dedicated, that are very good at what they do. Uh, and it's just like treatment, right? It's, it's not, I mean, you have to have a good model, but it's dependent on the person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when we're saying that, it's like, if I give somebody the option of doing 90 days in an inpatient facility and they're like balking at that, more than likely, they will be willing to choose an IOP because it's three hours every, what? There's three times a week? Three, three hours, hours
0: yeah. three times a week of a group therapy group session. Group
1: therapy happens usually in the morning or happens in the evening. Uh, they make evening. it, a,
0: you can accommodate mm-hmm. it for work. They even do online yeah. stuff
1: now. So, I, you know, I don't want to say that that's not a good program. But I hear what you're saying. So I'm, yeah. I'm basically gonna translate: is that what you find is that that is the um, negotiation that they're willing that they put out there, like I can't do this, but I'll do this because right. let's just take this out of the. And here's the excuse one.
0: Yeah, and you're you're right, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's it really is all about the person, their willingness level, and their commitment, because IOP can be very very successful. Uh, if the person is willing and dedicated, it just becomes a little bit more challenging because you don't have that safe protection of treatment to where you can go lean on a counselor. You can lean on, mm-hmm. you know, someone that's uh, in there with you, or you can lean on a, a recovery specialist or something like that. And they're generally smack dab in the middle of a city, you know, and a lot of treatment centers are outside hear, of the city. That's right. So it, it can be, you also have to deal a lot more with the, the stresses that come with everyday life while you're driving home and a liquor store is right there or you're driving. So it it can be a little bit more challenging, but not impossible.
1: But, and if you look at that, see now that you explain it and that we're talking about it.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I sounded
1: like a, no, no, that was good because it's actually, it could be beneficial because if you are dealing with that stuff and then you have three hours, you have nine hours a week to, to talk about it and to address it, there's the positive part. Um, Also, what I found is, you know, we did a lot of meetings and stuff like that. We had, uh, meetings within different departments, you know, where we worked We we had many different options and I was, I thought it was very interesting to find that. I always thought that in person, um, was had more success rates, but you know, with COVID and everything that happened, they started going to like zoom style video stuff and, surprisingly, the feedback that I was getting from the people running it was that there was actually more uh, participation in those uh, because there was that you didn't have to get in your car. You didn't have to show up. You know, you didn't have to fight through traffic. You didn't have to. You could in your own home put on a computer, um, you know, cell phone. You just had accessibility. I thought that's something that in this day and age would be different than, say, 20 years ago.
0: Well, or even I, 10 years ago. I think maybe even psychologically it helps a little bit too. Because you're you don't, safe. Yeah, you're,
1: you're, you're safe.
0: Of, you're behind yeah. a computer. There's that screen and that does help. Um, but it can create a little bit of a roadblock too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's some pros and cons to that for sure. So
1: what is PHP?
0: So PHP, pars- partial hospitalization. Basically what that means is you're you're either living in a sober living environment or you're living at your house, going about your daily life. And every single day you're transported out to a treatment center or a facility of some sort and you participate in their daily programming and then you're bused back home. So it's this new thing that's come up in the past couple of years that really allows people to kind of do this dance between almost like an IOP setting and a treatment center setting where you have a little bit more freedom.
1: And there's I know there's a certain in order for it to qualify, there's a certain amount of hours like you got to put it's not it's not like it's like going to a job. Yeah. It's, you gotta, you gotta put, I think, oh man, my memory is probably like five hours. uh, I think it roughly came out to five to six hours that you had to put in for it to qualify for that, you know? Um, And that's
0: regulated by insurance. Yeah. And that's the
1: regulation. Uh, You know, when we talk about stuff like that, that's, you know, if you're private pay, you kind of have a different way that you can do things. Um, I wish we could do a podcast on, Insurances, but well, I don't want can. to get well. I don't want to get mine canceled. So uh, I don't want them to go like, "Oh, this guy, this guy." <laughs> Boop. Because no I more. will say this, because I just love, I love dropping the guess what? Insurance doesn't want to pay.
0: It's Not yeah. a secret, John. That's,
1: I know it's not a secret, but I'm going to say it out loud on the. It'll be on record. You like, got him. What I found is insurance will find any way not to pay, even if you really need it especially when it comes to addiction.
0: Well, so well, let's go back. So we're at PHP. PHP. Well, there's not really much more to say to it outside of the design. we found it to be successful. It's this nice little happy medium mm-hmm. and you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Although of course you do still have the stresses of everyday life. The, the chance of relapse is a bit higher. Uh, I would say just because of the, you don't have like that support system there. And you also, you miss the accountability piece, which we haven't even really talked about much. The accountability piece of having a counselor on your butt, a recovery person on your butt, day in, day out, asking you, hey, pay attention here. Because just naturally as humans, we, whenever we see a problem, I think we want to avoid it, especially early on. We don't want to stare at it for too long. Right. We might acknowledge it and then go, oh, distraction. That's right. But, you know, the, the staff there really does p- push you. They go, hey, remember that thing? That thing that you said you were going to work on? We're working on that right now, today.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, those, those are, if we look at that, you can see the benefits, you can see the, um, maybe the pitfalls of some of them. Um, you know, I'm always going to, and it's just my opinion. Of course, I'm always going to say it's my opinion. It's not set in stone. It's not factual. It's just based on my experiences that I find that 90 days is, is, uh, is to me the best, the best doesn't mean it's the most successful. To me, it's the best opportunity. Um, I think IOP has its place. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of experience with it, being in it or being around uh, the process of it. So I have to go on other people's experiences, but I do know that there are some very creative, uh, intelligent, Uh, therapists and people that run that, that have a lot of heart and that really care about people. And then the PHP process, which is kind of the both worlds combined. Um, And again, you know, I just always want to go back to when we talk about all this stuff, detox staff, IOP staff, PHP staff, treatment staff. Um, I think in my reflection of leaving, uh, did not realize how much I'd put into it and how much energy it took from me mm-hmm. and how much I absorbed. And so I look at all my people that are still there, all the people that worked there before, all the people that are going to work there. And it's like a big salute and a big respect because what people don't know unless you've been there is how much, it takes from you to be in those environments. And I just, all day today, I kept thinking about it, um, how much I realized how different it was not to be working there. And so I want to acknowledge all the people that are there. And so when we talk about these different places, these different situations, it's never to say, one has more value the staff here understands it better it's that we're all on the same team Mm -hmm. and there's going to be people that really put their heart into it and there's always going to be people that kind of that are just there for the check well i i I would 100 percent agree with you like everyone's got the best of
0: intentions Mm -hmm. and you know you don't sign up for a job like that and stick with a job like that unless you really do care and you got a big heart the the trick is if you're looking for some sort of facility is it, you you can get some, we'll say uninformed, hmm. ignorant, um, not tactful, uh, uh, any counselor staff treatment centers don't always have the best of intentions. You do have like the Florida situations and that's not every place in Florida. Mm-hmm. And then you have some California situations and that's not every place in California, but they're, um, not, and this is not every 30 day place, but there are, in my experience has been some, you know, kind of turn and burn places. They're just trying to get your insurance money and run, Yeah, you know, and they, they do a lot of them. They have the best of intentions in mind, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know what they're talking about, you know? And oftentimes uh, I would say that empathy, love, and care can blind you sometimes just like it does with the families. It can do that to a counselor. You can do that to a recovery person. And it's really important to be tactful, knowledgeable, you know, and I guess if anyone's listening to this and it's, and it's hitting them in a way like, Oh my I want to be you know good at my job. I want to be able to help people in the right way. It's like, we just have to stay humble and keep working and seeking out expertise and understanding that like my way may not be the best way all the time. And I got to ask for help. I got to share my experience and I got to be willing to take some feedback and criticism, you know, just like we're asking the clients to do now. That's so like, I, I hear you, like everyone, it, it's a lot, it's a, it's a hard job. You know, they even have that, um, compassion fatigue, right? Soldiers get it. I think people, and I'm not comparing soldiers to, to counselors. I simply mean that you go through so much and hear through so so much trauma and pain and you see so many people die. I mean, how many people we seen dead, John? Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, our, I'm going to say this, I'm going to interrupt and go like, I'm not going to compare, compare to soldiers. It's a little bit different. Mm hmm but I've listened and absorbed so much darkness that nobody's going to understand that unless you worked in it.
0: Yeah. So my heart goes out. Yeah. To, yeah. To so, like our fellow people, I,
1: I, you know, like anybody that's just in the game, I, I, you know, of course, like battle wise, I'm not going to say that, but the internal battle and the mental and and physical and spiritual stuff that uh, a worker in the industry takes on. And especially if you've done a decade, some people, two decades, It's uh, you, you suffer from it. There's a suffering, even if you're super healthy, you can't help it, but bring that on. But I mean, that's a whole different thing. Um, I will say this, I'm going to put in, if you're looking for what kind of treatment facility that you love, that your loved one should go to, there's a couple things I would look for. One, do they take insurance? Okay. Two, private pay, of course. And three, do they give scholarships? Yeah. That's big. That to me, that's big. If you can hit all three, like, Hey, we do insurance. We also do private pay at a, you know, it's sometimes at a discounted rate and then we do scholarships. And when we say it, I say, we, and when, when, when that facility says you're here for 60, if something happens, we don't kick you out because of financial stuff. Maybe something happened. We don't do that at that, for that facility, I'm not speaking for any facility, but if you're looking at that type of facility, that's what you need. We don't do that. Yeah. That grinds my gears. When oh, that do grinds that. my gears. When I hear people like I'll speak to a family member and they're like, uh, I'm talking to them like, Oh, my so-and-so's and, in, and in treatment. And I'm like, how long they've been there? Oh, four weeks. And I go, well, okay. And they're, Oh, they're already in PHP. I'm like, wow. Oh, well the insurance stepped them down. So they go off the step down of the insurance I have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, or they kick him out. Or they or they let him go. I just, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that style. Um, maybe somebody who's involved in that wouldn't have a problem with it. And I'm not going to look down on them as a person. I'm just not going to suggest that treatment facility. Because there are other options. There are other options. And I think... Somebody who says, this is what we think you need. This is what we're going to do. We have an agreement. As long as you don't try to pull the wool over our eyes, we're going to go all the way. And um, that's what I look for. Uh, when I worked in, in places, that's, that's a reason why I stuck around longer. Well,
0: I, I would agree with all those things. Yeah. I, I would say that things that are important to me is what does your clinical program look like? What does your 12 step program look like? Can I speak to any individual counselor and talk a little bit about the recovery process? Or can I speak to the 12 step person and talk a little bit about that process? Help me understand what this treatment stay is going to look like for me. Are there any, um, opportunities to do family sessions? Is there any coaching that I'm going to get? And what is that going to look like? Could you give me some examples, uh, for what to do afterwards? You know, I don't even know how to handle him when he leaves, hmm. You know because you say it's going to be a war when he leaves so what am i supposed to do am i along for that war what does that look like so it, if a treatment center can't confidently answer those questions i start to i would start to say let's look somewhere different well and i, I will say too we didn't mention the other one the other option that people have the sober living option
1: oh they're gonna say oh, i was gonna make a joke
0: <laughs> well you just ruined it i know i just ruined it.
1: yeah so, well so, okay wait Sober living is a whole different thing. That to me, that's not, that's, that's a different thing. Well, but I just we'll, want to we're going to save that. Well, I, I want to no, say, we're going to save
0: it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Okay. So the best me. option that I've seen work in my experience, and you may have something different is someone attends a long, long-term treatment center, 90 days. Mm-hmm. They're stepped down into either a PHP or an IOP. In addition to sober living, they stay in that sober living at say four to six months if they're able to do it and pull mm-hmm. it off. Uh, that is what I've seen be most successful as far as program is concerned, not going directly back home, going to some sort of step down situation. I would agree.
1: I'm glad that I let you finish that. Thank you. Um, but sober living and we'll talk about different sober livings and what to look for that. Yeah. That could be a whole different, um, podcast. I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah, I agree. Um, because what we'll do is maybe we'll pick up and talk about sober living, sober living and our experiences and also our experiences around the different ones. Maybe the ones you want, st- the kind that you want to stay away from, of course, never going to mention people's names. Our deal right now is not, to, we're not going to call
0: people. out. I'm not going
1: to shame anybody. I'm not here to,
0: we're not here to make fun of people. We're
1: not. No, we're, we're, we're just, here to be helpful. We're maximum here to be helpful, service. maximum service, um, And, uh, I think we, we went over some really good things. Um, of course, you know, Hey, I'm going to say this too on YouTube. You can comment. And if you have any questions or something that you want us to address, that'd be a perfect way for us to know. Yeah. We'll reply. What about this? Mark will uh, reply to you. Um, I did this week. He did. But we
0: can actually talk about it as a whole topic. We need things to talk about. We want to know what you guys want to know about and maybe what we can help with.
1: Uh, So I know we have stuff coming up. Uh, We have sober living talk coming up. We're probably going to talk about boundaries, uh, boundaries,
0: interventions,
1: interventions. Then we're going to go a little bit deeper. I kind of want to talk about some imprint stuff, uh, some core emotional addiction stuff. Oh, cool. And, uh, kind of explain a little bit of that and talk about the uh, mentor I had with that. Uh, there's also other things, uh, that recently came up, uh, DID within, um, you know, addicts and alcoholics and what that whole level oh, is. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot to talk about and there's also some fun stuff and we don't have to, you know, we don't have to we're going to be here, serious you know, all the time, all the time. It's just not possible. Um, so, you know, again, um, you know, black sheep boxing. Check that out if you're uh, new into recovery and you want to get a workout. A male or female. It's not just guys. There's some females in there that kicking butt and taking. We're names. kicking some butt. When I was like, okay, this is uh, stay away from that one. Um, and then, of course, we have the the production company that's that's really helping us put this together. Yeah, Still Studios. There we go.
0: Thank you so much for the yeah. support and sponsorship and everything that everyone said has been super kind.
1: Oh, it's been super great, and you know. Just, you know, keep it coming, uh, share it with people. Um, you know, if you think that it's something that, uh, can benefit you also, uh, check us out on, what do we have? Spotify,
0: Instagram,
1: Instagram,
0: maximum service podcast,
1: maximum service podcast. Uh, what Apple, right? You yeah, can catch Apple us music, on the Apple music, anywhere um, you can find
0: a podcast. You can find yeah. us. We'll be posting channel videos three
1: on the VHF. Okay, we just that was it, like, right? All right, no, that's not cable. Oh. All right, next time, all right. we're next time discuss on Maximum Service the difference Podcast. between antenna TV and cable. Yeah, 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 I know. And then streaming. I think we're talking about the same thing. Okay, probably not. All right, guys, all right. thanks
0: for checking us out. Thanks for listening. Uh, likes, share, subscribe.
1: Likes, uh, happy we're out. faces. Okay, bye. right thanks for listening to the podcast guys Uh, we really enjoyed uh, presenting the information to you and guess what we have plenty of topics to cover uh coming up in the next week um weeks actually and so how are you going to know that we have a new podcast out well this is what you're going to do you're going to go to spotify you're going to go to apple Podcasts. you're going to go to youtube and you're going to hit like subscribe you can even message us on the youtube page shoot us a line ask us a question what do you want to hear we're here to answer we're here to provide you with as much information as this washed up musician and that washed up model can give you so again we appreciate you listening and watching and we hope that you have a great week